Welcome, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Why do they hate Miranda? You're listening to I Couldn't Help But Podcast. Carrie is the fucking worst. An unofficial Sex in the City podcast. Hosted by Joe Daniel Montalongo and Paige Clarno. Charlotte, shut the fuck up. Sick. Welcome to part three of the Polyamory Podcast, my favorite. Uh, we are here with Jess, and I'm always here with JD. <laughs> I was like, eh, me? That's and, me? Hi. And I'm also here. And we're in Dream Life Studio. Why is this your favorite page? This is um, always been my favorite because when we decided to make this podcast, like, to start it in the beginning, I was like, you know what has never been covered on Sex and City is polyamory. And Jess, Jess's story has always been one that I've heard from other people and not from her. And this is the perfect opportunity mm-hmm. to let her share her story so that everybody can stop their bitching. Hello, Charlotte. <laughs> Which still triggers me to this day. Who is bitching about it? Not, I mean, not that they're bitching about it, but just like it's You're your bitching. narrative and they are... And they're telling me about I your narrative, and that's weird. That my story is interesting to people now. <laughs> <laughs> like it has been so long, and we have been polyamorous for so long, and we are so good at it now that okay, I have a weird metaphor. Tell us. It's sort of like you know how like a fish doesn't realize it's in water type of thing. This weird metaphor that I have been thinking about lately is like you know when you're learning a language. And it's weird, and so you have to actually think about it, and you hear a sentence, and then you go to translate it, and you actually have to, like, translate it in your brain, and there's all these steps to it, and you have to think about conjugation and blah, 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 blah. And then you start speaking it really well, and then you get fluent, and then you get fluent to the point where you are no longer translating in your head. You are actually Mm -hmm. just thinking in that language. Yes. We are just thinking in polyamory now. And so I don't, I forget that it's a different language. And I forget that other people don't speak it. And that when they hear it, they're like, oh, they're speaking another language. Ooh, interesting, exotic, weird. It was strange. I don't like it. It's gross. But the fun part is while you're learning a different language, you're also helping teach a different language to other people. Amen. I'm just saying it catches me off guard when I find out that I'm like, oh, because when, well, first when we were closeted, it was a big deal to us. And so I was like, it's a big deal to everyone else. I'm projecting my big deal onto everyone else. And it kind of was. And then we're kind of more middle road, which is probably where we left off last time. Mm -hmm. And then I was still sort of had a foot in the world of like, oh, this is interesting and unique and strange to other people and they care. And then now it has been so long and we are so just in fifth gear and cruising that I don't think about it anymore. Do you think your insecurities at the beginning manifested that the fact that other people were super interested in it or do you think that just came along with the territory? Both. I think that's always true. I think you're always going to be manifesting and projecting your insecurities. So that has to necessarily be true. But the more I remember that I live in a bubble of my own creation and that actually it is very interesting and unique to other people, the more I'm reminded that actually that just is that. So that brings up something really interesting that I want to ask you about is that we didn't really talk about when you were closeted. We talked Mm -hmm. about when you guys decided. Mm -hmm. Um, But during the time when you were closeted, how was that working out for you? Is that one of the things where like you didn't tell your friends, but you were on apps or was it like super closeted, like weird 
you know, going to sneak and like go to bars or something and not talk about it? Like, how did that work? Well, to be completely transparent, when we first became Polly, it's if you remember, it's because I fell head over heels in love for someone. Well, the timing was weird because we were had been introduced to it by a friend. And I was like, this is who I am. This is why none of my past relationships make any sense. Like, oh my gosh, this is who I've been this whole time. I just didn't know. And so I was like zero to 60, ready to go. Hmm. Zero qualms and then fell in love. And Joe was sort of like, it was all too fresh and too new to him. So I more or less like forced and pushed him into it. I, I had his verbal consent, but I didn't have his energetic consent. And I, he would describe it as like being thrown down a tunnel. He didn't, wasn't ready to be thrown down. But if you were to ask him about it now, he would say that he had to be thrown down it because he would have just dragged mm-hmm. his heels and never gone down. Anyway, so we were closeted because, um, well, I was already in a relationship. So I wasn't right. dating. I wasn't on apps and I wasn't looking for anyone else because I was like super in love with someone and like had a great partner, Joe, at the time, not married. Um, and then... I think we got married shortly thereafter. So I was I had a great husband and a boyfriend that I was super in love with. So I was like full. I was content. I was not. And so we were just closeted because we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know any poly people. We had a lot of shame around it. And we had a lot of fear of judgment. So like when you're insecure, you can't handle the judgment of other people because it will blow your head. It's like a house made out of sticks. Outside of the people that you are dating now, do you find that you're network of poly people has gotten bigger like do you have poly friends or is it still just like the people that you're dating and introducing to the world we definitely know poly people now we are still the poly couple i would say in our circle Mm -hmm. but there's a lot more there's kind of people like you where you're like you just are and you just exist and you really relate to a lot of polyness and also a lot of monogaminess and so i feel like I kind of, it's like there's kind of the use. Like I know a couple of people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know some just more non-monogamous couples that are definitely not polyamorous, but also aren't traditional monogamous. And so I can relate to them. I know a couple poly people. Um, I know some failed poly attempts. But yeah, I don't know. It's definitely more popular. It would not be... I do not feel as isolated as I felt when we first started this six years ago. I think the term non-monog is what I'm going to take away from this, most of all. <laughs> I think it's delicious. Did it's, I say that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like, people who are like non-monog, mm-hmm. like, oh God, that's delicious. I, yeah, I think that polyamory is now something that people do try, but they're if you listen to the first two of the series, it's something that you have to be so much more um, like you have to have a better hold on your relationship than most people do. Oh my God. Yes. So people come to us for advice and we actually charge for coaching now because it's not just basic like, Oh, we can like, it's full holistic coaching. So we are helping we, the coaching that we do would help any relationship model Mm -hmm. because it's that holistic but it's also specifically to help you become polyamorous and the intake form for that. Like, I will straight up tell you, you're not ready for polyamory. Don't try it. And if you try it, we're not going to help you mm-hmm. um, because you don't have the what you need to do it, which is a very secure relationship. Um, With the skills and the training that you have, do you find that you are more of a helper, like, willingly? Or do you wait for people to come to you for help? Uh, well, um, I don't... You might have to rephrase that question because... 
in general, I only help people if they come to me for help um, because it's the act of seeking help proactively that means you're ready for the help. Mm -hmm. If I went just trying to help people, that would have, that would not be good because often you find yourself in a situation helping people who aren't ready for it. All the time, somebody will come to me for like a shamanic Reiki, which is a totally non-poly related healing modality that I practice and they will have a life-changing experience on my table and they'll be like do you think so and so can come like I really want to get them in here like my loved one my daughter my mother my sister needs to come see you and I'm like and they'll tell me can you reach out to them and I'm like no, no. yeah absolutely not good fair yeah, yeah that answers that okay thank you I wasn't really sure hello Charlotte Charlotte Webb <laughs> has entered Hello, Charlotte. <laughs> That'd be such a good drag queen name. Charlotte Webb? Yeah. Thanks. Well, she is a drag queen. <laughs> All cats are. are so long. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> What's her feet? Is she a lip sync queen? Is she a makeup queen? Does she know how to make her own outfit? She's just a bitchy just a, shade queen. She's just a drama oh, queen. So she's a comedy queen. <laughs> I wouldn't say she's funny. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's just a bitch. She's just she, bitchy. She's just drama. She's like angry lesbian archetype. Oh, I love you. I can't wait to see you on the reboot of The L Word. Mm-hmm. Quick deviation. Last night, um, I was with a group of people and uh, part of a lesbian couple were talking to me. Um, and then our mutual friend said to them, oh, Paige's is, uh, is straight. And one of the lesbians said, oh, I'm painfully aware. And I'm like, I don't know how to take that. Are you like... <laughs> low-key bragging no i'm like no i'm like uh, i'm a little upset why why would you be upset sounds like a because compliment. i'm like does it sound like a compliment that i'm like definitely super super straight well like the fact that she said painfully aware makes it seem like she's saying that she's i don't know i thought it was like a compliment Oh yeah, I take it as a compliment, but okay. how you understand things is how you need to process. It. I mean, I it was a weird night, and so I think I was taking things like all together more harshly than it came out, and so I took it more as like a oh yeah, we know, bitch is obvious, like no, clearly by, like, and I'm like oh okay. Um, I thought she like was into you, yeah, and then she's like, ugh, Paige is straight. That's like I can't make him. It's like Bike Joe is straight, and JD being like, I'm painfully aware. I literally started his dick today for like five minutes. Same. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wait a minute, you weren't even there. You must have a photo. Damn right. (laughs) (laughs) It's called your Instagram stories. Let's be real. That's true. I live for them. They're like my daily thing. Oh, that makes me so happy <laughs> because I know people unfollow me because I post too much and because I think I'm semi-obnoxious with my posting. So when people are like, hey, just to let you know, I really enjoy your Instagram. I'm like, thank you. Uh, hi, my name is Jess and I am not everyone's cup of tea. Mm. And that's fine. And you know what? You don't need to change your flavor because other people don't like it. They can find their own flavors. Keep doing you. Thank I you. love your shit. Yeah. I like we talked about it um on an episode last season where I was like I was like, I I know this kid. Like I know Azzy, I feel like we mm-hmm. are we are connected and we are one hundred percent not. That kid's yeah. doesn't know who I am at all. People think it's <laughs> weird and I get that it's existentially weird, but I love it. It's like I like watching your kids grow up. Like these girls from high school. We weren't even friends in high school, but for whatever reason, we are friends on social media and we interact and we engage. And I have watched you get married, get pregnant, have your kid, your kid grow up. 
I know them. If I saw you on the street, I'd be like, oh, hi, Aiden. How are you? Like, Google, Google, Google. Who the fuck are yeah, you? who the fuck right. are you? But I'm like, I watch you, which is super, super creepy. But also, it's my favorite reality show. Right. So I'm 13 here. Come jump onto my Instagram page. Come watch my baby. Yeah. Social media is my favorite. I just reality. find that I'm like bragging about a kid that doesn't know who I am. Oh my god. Like I so do cute. I like do that all the time where I'm just like, oh my God, did you see Azzy so he can say hi now and he can do Aww. this and like I get and like I get all like cute, you know, vodka ant about it and then I'm like, wait a minute, he doesn't even know who I am. That's so <laughs> cute. Well anyone is welcome to come hang out with him whenever they want. He is such a special kid. That makes me so happy. That I mean, it warms my heart that people say that. Um because you always think your kid is the shit. But then when other but people are like, actually the shit. Yeah, you're. I legit talk to her so and I'm like, I've never met a baby who has so much agency. <laughs> and as he's just on his own mission, and we're just players in it. Yeah, yeah. We are all just um, actors in the very show. Yeah. The very show. The very where show. Everything is very. Yeah. Tell everybody about the very show. So last time we recorded, I was pregnant. You were, yeah. And he is almost two years old. How is that possible? I don't know how that much time has passed. It's bonkers to me. So, yeah, The Very Show is a YouTube channel that I do with my adorable child. Ideally, I would love to be filming weekly, but until girl gets a Patreon, you know what I'm saying? Mm. (laughs) Um, The premise of The Very Show is that it's a, it's Azzy Ray and his best friend, who is a puppet named Pumpkin, voiced by moi, clearly. Um, They're on a journey to feel feelings while growing up on earth because um so much of our psychological spiritual and emotional dissonance in this world is a result of the fact that we don't honor the darker feelings and our shadow sides and anything that's painful we'd like to bury suppress especially men um and so especially having a son although i would have done this with a daughter as well and just create this space where we feel our feelings in real time so an event happens and if it's traumatic or painful at all we tend to leave our bodies, whether that's metaphorical or literal for you, and to avoid the emotion that's being triggered. But all that does is bury that emotion. And then you'll spend the rest of your life uh, manifesting situations that trigger that exact same emotion to try to get you to feel it. And so my whole theory is if you just felt emotions in real time, you could process them and then stop manifesting reoccurring situations. Do you find that you're able to recognize the emotions that you've been repressing, like through this work? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Through the work of The Very Show mm-hmm. or just my shamanic? Um, yeah, for sure. So the first episode is about friendship breakups and talking about, you know, a little girl wrote, wrote in saying that her best friend told her she didn't want to be friends anymore. So we talked about, well, what did that feel like? Felt like rejection. And can we all just feel that emotion together for a second? So Pumpkin and Azzy um, and the special guest, which was Christopher Daniels, Aslan's TT. Mm-hmm. We all felt that emotion. We talked about how that's actually a brave thing to do. Like, relationships die, everything dies. And sometimes you have to end a relationship, even a friendship. And if we can normalize that Mm -hmm. and get rid of this idea of, like, loyalty and things like that, um, I think we could all grow a lot easier. So these are tougher feelings. The second episode was about death and the things you feel um, when death happens. I forget what the third episode was about. Oh, Hey, That's Mine was just about um, sharing. Which is my favorite because that's where I have the hardest problem and i'm like damn it this baby's smarter than i am emotionally good for him but also called out this is my problem (laughs) i need to deal with this before you deal with this you don't even know yet (laughs) i just really want to normalize emotions all of them and create a safe space where he's not suppressing anything because that is where neuroses is created 
And of course, now I'm the weird mom that's like trying to normalize everything, which in and of itself, if you have triggers around, will be weird to you. But I don't care. (laughs) It's still nice to, I think, to see um, a boy growing up in a space where he's taught that emotions are okay. I feel like so many men that I meet, men that I date, men that I just know, Mm -hmm. don't know how to deal with their emotions at all because they were never taught to. Exactly. So we already live in an emotionally suppressed and distorted world. And then you factor in gender role into that and it just makes it even worse. And so I just want him to not have any because you're not getting out of this unless you are some kind of atypical where your brain doesn't process emotions the same anyway i'm not really sure the metaphysics behind that but for most of us we are not getting out of this journey there is no oh well that's how it works for everyone else but for me i can suppress emotions and not suffer the consequences Mm. of it that Mm -hmm. doesn't exist it's not there even that sense is very oppressive to your own body and to your own self Mm -hmm. and people who have that mentality you um, immediately think of a picture for them yeah you're like oh I can tell that you need work. You just don't know how to ask for help. You don't know how to take help. And they're Mm. kidding themselves. If they Mm -hmm. think that there's someone... And a lot of times you have the, I process emotions, and they don't. They're bypassing. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to create that space where he has words for things. And we're doing that with his sex... With his sex positivity education. Like right now, he knows all of... One of the upcoming episodes will be him naming all the parts of his body equally and without shame so he says penis with the same enthusiasm that he says foot or hand which makes my mother very uncomfortable um but that's her stuff and part of the way that you teach a kid body positivity and sex positivity is to teach them to name body parts because a lot of the trauma training and experience that i've witnessed through friends who have had very traumatic childhoods they all said how could i communicate something was happening to me when i didn't even know the body parts involved Mm -hmm. and so the ways that you empower kids um, to have autonomy is to teach them their body parts and to do it without shame so that they can't they do feel comfortable coming to you and say hey mommy somebody touched this part of my body and it didn't make me feel good Mm -hmm. um and so we're doing that same thing but with emotions which is great because if you give people the vocabulary, then they can tell you exactly what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't get it, they can say, yep. this happened here. This is where I was cetera. This is how I yeah. felt. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to process it. Can you help me? As opposed mm-hmm. to being like, I'm mad. Why? Because I'm mad. Right. And you push that off. You just right. deal with it later, which everybody right. does to a certain degree, like more so than they even realize. Like I had a moment even this morning where I was just like, whoo. You know, I need to cry this out, Yeah. but I just put on my under-eye concealer, so that's just not going to happen. We'll do that tonight. We'll just put that off. Yeah. What's your recipe for crying? Your Um, ideal crying situation? Do you play music? Do you watch movies? So I'm really empathic, um, and it is very difficult for me to, like, know that my own emotions are mine. Mm. And so I seek out things that are my emotions but are happening to somebody else so that I can cry for them. Like, for example, my... Which is a um, form of avoiding yourself. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, when my dad died in 2009, I was very like, it's, you know, it's going to be fine. Like, we knew this was coming. Everything's okay. But uh, when Michael Jackson died a few months later and I watched the um, memorial, I've never sobbed so hard in my life when his daughter came up and talked mm. that like fucking slayed me even right now i'm thinking about it and i'm just like that poor girl but i'm that poor girl but i can't feel like yeah. i can't feel that for me yeah wow 
Oh, that's really powerful. What's your recipe? For crying, um, I will replay a montage in my mind of something that makes me feel whatever emotion I'm trying to feel. So um, going back to whatever memory I'm trying to feel. I, um, yeah, for sure. Especially if I'm currently really in it, then playing a song, like cheesy song, whose mm-hmm. lyrics match that plight. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've done so much healing lately because I just recently went through what should have been the most traumatic breakup, but actually, like, far less breakups have rocked me way harder. So I'm like, I think I'm doing really well of just, like, um, taking out what's mine and what's not mine and getting rid of what's not mine and feeling my stuff in real time when I'm supposed to feel it, not taking too much responsibility, which is something I struggle with, which is actually a form of martyrdom. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Versus taking no responsibility at all. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, making sure my kid feels his feeling. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, like making sure that he has the vocabulary. Vocabulary is how we empower children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what The Very Show is all about. It's awesome. And you've actually, like you and I talking have helped that for me a lot too, oh, where I'm very less um, like doing it that way. Like just watching something and being like sad for them. I'll be like, okay. Yeah, this was upsetting. I'm going to feel these feelings. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you do in that situation that you can avoid doing in the future? Right. What was your responsibility? Because personal responsibility sets us free. So. Mm-hmm. How do you teach a baby responsibility or a young person responsibility? That's a really good question. And what we're trying to do, especially because we practice a style of living called real love, which is a trademark name, um, like especially with feelings too. Like I find myself when he's freaking out about something that I deem he doesn't need to be freaking out about. Like I find myself being like, you don't need to cry. And I'm like, nope, but you can, you can, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, um, and what we're really working on right now is consequences. So you did this and it had a consequence and you don't need to feel shame about that consequence. But we're trying to teach responsibility via understanding natural consequences of certain behaviors which is hard with a toddler because you have to enact them so sometimes i'm like i don't really want to pull you out of this bathtub right now because that would be inconvenient for me but i just told you that if you splash water out again you're done Mm -hmm. so now i need to follow through with that which is that's the heart of parenting and that's also teaching yourself responsibility in a new Mm -hmm. kind of location kind of place yeah and because we live in a really codependently sick culture. We are trying really hard to teach him not to take responsibility for other people's feelings, which is where our codependent culture feeds off of and also the narcissist culture that we live in. And so um, even when we had the most wonderful orthopedic therapist over here when he was going through eating problems for six months, and so when he was like throwing food and stuff, just part of their training was to be like, oh that makes me sad when you throw your food on the floor and i had to be like i'm sorry we actually don't use that language in our house they're like oh why not and i was like because he can't make you feel anything you are choosing to be sad about what he's doing and i understand it was way out of the scope of what they were trying to do but they loved me and joe they're like oh my god you guys are the best family that we've ever (laughs) been with but even something that subtle like 
so much of our culture is you made me feel xyz when you did this Mm -hmm. Um, and that is normalized language in our culture and that is basically saying you are responsible for what i am feeling and though i want to teach my kid responsibility i don't want him to teach him to take responsibility for other people's feelings take responsibility for the right things for Mm -hmm. the right things and other people will try to make you responsible for their feelings by saying things like when you did this it hurt me and what we have been trained to do is to say i'm choosing to feel so i'm i will tell him hey we do it to be funny but hey when you throw your food on the floor mommy chooses to feel sad about that you're not responsible for how I feel (laughs) but because you love me and you care about my happiness I just wanted you to know that I choose to feel sad when you do that so you may want to reconsider your behavior what are you going to do when your baby outsmarts both you and your husband and he's just like "Mm, that sounds like a you problem I'm going to love it I'm going to be like touche thank you but also pick that up but also pick that up (laughs) I just never want to be the parent that's like randomly authoritative because i'm in a mood because that was my dad who super pumpkin-y actually very kind of emotional guy which i love but also randomly authoritative based on his mood which made me and my brother oppositional defiant and also like suspicious of authority figures and i feel like yeah i don't want to be like that if my kid outsmarts me i want to give him a Mm touche like i don't want to be like i'm the parent and I really feel like kids throwing tantrums trigger parental tantrums. But then the difference is that the parent feels justified. Mm-hmm. And they think the toddler's being a baby. And I think that's totally twisted. Well, mm-hmm. it's so weird. People feel like they can't learn from their children. They think that they're the ones who know everything and have Which, to teach their children. I know. And every time I see, not in your case, thankfully, but I've seen parents who are like, I'm the parent, you're the baby, you listen to me, what I say yeah. is right. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. As any good relationship or communication works, you listen as much as you talk. Right. And even though your baby still has, like, mild or limited vocabulary, they're trying to get across something, and you need to listen to them. Right. And those are the same people who will come up and tell you, your children are your greatest teachers. Because they're, like, lacking self-awareness. It's just <laughs> people with a God complex who want to be a hold dominion over another person. I agree. And then they, they birth their own children to, like, be the authority that was treated to them. I just don't want to do that. Anyway, back to answer your question. I just want to teach my kid consequences and to take responsibility where he can, but not to overtake responsibility, which is the foundation of codependence. And I just really don't want him. That's where it all starts is the belief, the really deeply subconscious belief that you can make someone feel something. Mm -hmm. And that's how manipulation starts. If I can make you feel guilt by saying something, having a tone, rolling my eyes, I now have control over you because if you are any remotely a people pleaser, you don't want to feel that guilt feeling that I just, you know, made you feel, mm-hmm. which I can't make you feel. But it's anyways, these puppet strings is the imagery that I get. And I just want him to know who he is and to let people be triggered without him being triggered. That is my goal for him. So that if he does or says something that makes someone feel something and they're like, oh, that offends me. And he can be like, oh, okay. Is there something you'd like me to do differently? And they're like, I don't know. And he's like, okay, well, let me we'll know. We'll figure it out when yeah. you're ready and ready to have a conversation. Yeah. Right. Which is so good. And that that all ties back into how we communicate about polyamory. Because right. all the lessons you have to learn there, too. It's communication, listening, and talking. Mm-hmm. Taking responsibility for your own actions mm-hmm. and not someone else's. Yeah. But also if someone else is like, you upset me by doing this. Why? Why are you insecure about this? Yeah. Why do you feel bad if I'm talking to the random girl at the checkout counter? That's why when I'm doing an intake form with someone who thinks that they want polyamorous coaching, which, by the way, only one couple has ever actually made it through to, like, one seated session. Everyone thinks they want it, and then they can't, I mean, even get there. And I get that. That's no judgment. It's just, 
you know, spiritually, your ego will avoid anything that's going to, like... Rock your world. Uh, rock your world. Because it's undoing mm-hmm. so much training. It's conditioning. Un- yeah, yeah. Conditioning it's like a death, essentially. Yeah. But, um, you know, like one of my intakes is, do you want to take responsibility for your feelings? Because that is what at least the poly... Not saying there cannot be po- codependence in unhealthy, dysfunctional, polyamorous situations. I'm sure there are. But the way that we coach, we are here to make you take responsibility for your feelings. And so if you are not interested in that, you will not work in our coaching so don't even try because if you're like he went out with his girlfriend and uh, he made me feel lonely like no bitch he cannot make you feel lonely (laughs) loneliness is a feeling that was coming up based on the situation that was happening do you want to talk about why that loneliness was in there and do you want to heal that or do you constantly want to blame your partner forever boom 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 oh my god i love all these conversations i'm like yeah yeah Yeah. And just the undoing that I've had to do, which thankfully I've been in a more privileged state where I have had good people who know how to communicate and influence and talk and take responsibility for other things. So now I'm still not a perfect human being. And now if at least I do the wrong thing, I know that it's wrong. And later on, I try to come back and be like, listen, I have thought about it. I was in my emotions at that time. Mm -hmm. And those are purely mine. Mm -hmm. This is what it was based off of. Here's what I didn't like about the situation. That's why I responded the way I responded. But can now we have a communication about this? I am willing to put myself up here and mm-hmm. be vulnerable. Can you meet me in that shared space? Mm-hmm. Blame kills relationships, whether it's professional, personal, friendship, relate, romantic. Otherwise, blame kills relationships. And when the average person hears that sentence, they're like, oh, yeah, totally. What they don't realize that they're doing is that a righteous blame feels justified in itself so there's the like when the average person hears that sentence they're thinking of a situation in which they're being blamed for something they didn't do and so they're like yeah blame totally does kill the problem is is they think when the blame is justified that blame is okay righteous Mm -hmm. blame Mm -hmm. no 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 blame kill it's insidious energy it kills relationships and they are attached to that blame because it makes them feel good because it makes them not have to take responsibility for what they're feeling the other person is responsible and so no even righteous blame even blame in which that person cheated on you they cheated on you and you're like i have every right to feel hurt sure but you are blaming them for the feelings that you are having when really what they did has nothing to do with what you're feeling and that's how do you tell someone that when that is one of the biggest instances of this is an allowable victim right yes righteous victimhood Mm -hmm. righteous victimhood where you're Mm -hmm. like no i was hurt and i was upset right right but why but why? Was it because right. it cheated on you or is it other things that now you're reflecting on? You're like, this just leads back into all the reasons why I don't like myself. Right. And totally. And then it's triggering the wounds of abandonment and disloyalty that happened to you a long time before this. And you're not looking at the things that you were doing that maybe made your partner feel isolated. That could have even made them go to want to stray from the relationship. Yeah. Sometimes there's just serial cheater douchebags mm-hmm. and you were a perfect saint and didn't deserve that. But other times and we see the trope so often in movies and TV, the trope of this like assholeish wife who talks down and demeans their partner and makes them feel less than constantly makes them feel like they're not good enough um, is constantly manipulating them but she's loyal right mm-hmm. but then he's feeling whatever shit that's stirring up in him and then he strays and then <gasps> he had the greater betrayal and no one's talking about how she w- she's been like disrespecting him for years like yeah, no one's and these are that. all different types of hurt that we're affecting 
you can't place one hurt better than the other one to consider yourself fine. Okay. You can't hurt and then be hurt and then be like, well, fuck you. You hurt me worse. I know. And I feel like in our culture, cheating, this drives this is the biggest trope that drives me the most crazy is this trope of where cheating happens and that person is seen as the greater, like, um, uh, perpetrator mm-hmm. in the relationship. And so specifically in the show Atypical... Um, I don't know if you guys watched that on Netflix. Oh, I love it. Totally binged seasons one and two. And sorry to spoiler, but um, the wife has an affair. And the husband is just a fucking dick. After, like, he cannot believe he w- she would stoop so low and her daughter hates her for cheating. And I'm like, he is completely glossing over the fact that he, like, left them. She had an like, severely autistic kid. And another kid, and he, like, couldn't deal with having a dis, um, a differently abled whatever child. And so he left them for, like, a year when they were younger. And she was, like, a single mom. Then she gave up her career to be a stay-at-home mom and kept that family on track. And he just underappreciated her until she felt so empty that she had an affair that, like, lit her fire. But now she is the villain. No. No. And why is... Right. I know. And why is, like, sex the worst crime? Yeah, when I was still with Chow and people asked us, like, oh, so, like, if you guys were to encounter one of you cheating on the other one, what would happen in the relationship? I was like, nothing. We'd talk about it. Also, I already Who's said asking you these like, questions? That's wild. Yeah. We have a fun group who likes to ask the... Oh, so it was more questions. like a what if rather than, like, someone came to you and they're like, so... Yeah, and also everyone knows that if someone's wow. like, oh, I've got the juice, I'm like, I don't care. I'm not thirsty. <laughs> um, but they asked us, like, what would happen? I'm like, I'd forgive him. Like, why? I was like... Because it's worst. not like, that I hard. more of my vulnerability in other ways. If he wants to have sex with someone else, good for him. First of all, I encourage it. Second yeah. of all, there are other things that he can do to hurt me that would hurt significantly worse. Mm-hmm. Like, there, betraying yeah. me in terms of, like, my trust or telling people my secrets or sharing our moments that are just us yeah, with other people. That's from, like, I would have a hard time with that. Right. Same with someone else. Go ahead. He's a great dick and a great ass. Live your own ass dreams. Yeah, I mean, I would... Like, be like, okay, well, clearly this is a symptom that something in our relationship is off. So let's sit down and talk about what that could potentially be mm-hmm. and work towards a solution or, you know, not. But let's let's feel it out and see what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely was that person for a really long time. I grew up with my parents, like, basically saying that cheating is the worst thing that could possibly happen and you would be a complete asshole to not just immediately leave that person if they cheated on you. And so that's what I grew up with and that's what I felt for such a long time. But like as you grow up, things get more and more gray. Yeah, totally. And like when you're, you know, when you're a kid, it's like you either have the toy or you don't have the toy. Right. But there's a like in between where it's like an object permanence kind of thing. And it's like, no, you have the toys just in the other room. Like it's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. It's going to be fine over there and you can trust that. But I think trust is really what's, what is at the root of cheating? Well, that's the best question you can start any conversation with is ask someone what their hard limits are in terms of a romantic relationship or what they are not willing to do for anything. But okay. Why that? Someone's mm-hmm. like, oh, I just had a friend who was hurt and damaged after that. And she's like, what does your hurt pain have to do with you? Yeah. And people mm-hmm. are like, well, I would, just, it would just feel like, a, I'm like, oh, so you're already like pre-mad. It hasn't happened to yeah. you. You just already know what you're going to feel. Mm-hmm. And then people are just like, well, wouldn't, wouldn't you feel upset? And it's like, I don't know. I'm not in the relationship. Hmm. I can't yeah. assign rules of how I'm going to feel later on. I'm going to be in my emotions then. And I don't know what 
happened that led up to that. This is why I would just, so much of our programming comes from what we're seeing and these tropes just don't exist. And as much as poly people everywhere are like rooting for the fucking love triangle to just figure out that they should all just date each other and that there isn't a choice to be made like as much as we would Mm -hmm. love to see that I would also love to see the one where the wife finds out the husband cheated and is like you know what actually I've been kind of abandoning you and I've been kind of icy cold and I kind of see why you would cheat on me and Mm -hmm. it really brought up do I love you or do I want to be in this marriage and I thought about it and I realized I do and I think that we should re-fall in love and focus on each other and Mm -hmm. But that would be crazy because the second someone would see that, everyone would vilify her. Or not vilify her, but essentially be like, oh, she's weak. She couldn't stand up. She couldn't mm-hmm. say what she was really feeling. Even if that was true and genuine to the character, we are so programmed anti that. They would be like, well, she's just a weak woman who couldn't stand up. And her man let... I, I can't believe she let a man cheat on her and then come right back into her house and blah, blah, blah. Like, you guys don't even... You, People aren't ready to have those conversations, which is ridiculous. That's why I think we need to drown people in those conversations. That's what I'm saying. I think Mm. if the trope existed wide and far enough, it would. And a lot of times, even if some people would be like, oh, she's weak, other people would be like, oh, shit, I didn't know that was an option. Mm -hmm. And And it's for those people. The people who already are stubborn and have made up their mind. Good luck watching anything. Have fun. Mm -hmm. Have fun not challenging yourself to grow and to learn how to communicate your feelings. But for the other people, we're like, is that... But I'm just starting to think people don't want to. People don't want to communicate their feelings. People don't want to come out of their triggers. Um, And I say Mm -hmm. that, and I definitely have a judgmental tone on that. And that is something that is a toxic trait of mine that I really need to watch. um, Is that on some level, I must think that I'm better than other people because I do want to grow. And that's not who I want to be because I'm a truly non-judgmental person. Would just let people be where they are. But I am... In total, honestly, I am currently triggered, choosing to be triggered by people who don't want to do that work because it keeps the drama around. And ultimately, I think we're all addicted to drama. And I yeah. remember the first time that my um, one of my mentors told me that I was addicted to drama. I thought she was full of shit. You're like, um, fuck no, I'm not. I'm I was gonna like, throw a tantrum about it. I was like, <laughs> why would someone want drama? That makes no sense. If I'm going to be addicted to something, it's going to be something that I like. You know, and it didn't. And then when, of course, the way that we learn, especially in the shadowy kind of world, um, is by seeing it in other people. And so then I started noticing my friends that are addicted to drama and how exhausting that was. And I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) I'm only (laughs) keeping them around because I must be addicted to it, too. Otherwise, I would kick them out. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we all are, to a certain degree, completely addicted to drama. Like anybody who doesn't say that is completely fooling themselves. Yeah. Because it's what also makes things interesting. Like, um, it just makes me think of my so-called life. Like, the first episode. I know. I'm being a nerd. Um, But they, like, go out and try and get into this club, but they're 15 years old. Like, and it's completely ridiculous that they would be waiting around for some dude who never shows up and a couple of guys, like, screw with them or whatever. And scares the shit out of the main character. And then the next day, her friend sees her at school, and she was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, Angela, tell them what happened. We had a time, didn't we? And she was like, we did. We had a time. And we're addicted to those moments that will create a story that we can tell later. Yeah, totally. Well, and also if you're sad, like if you're sad, you're a miserable person. The drama just, it's a short-term fix. 
So it's like any drug that's going to get you high momentarily, but will is ultimately self-destructive, but you don't care mm-hmm. because you're only worried about the momentary fix right. on it. And in that moment, people think you're interesting. People think you have a story. Totally. So you kind of latch onto it, especially if you're going through certain emotions where you feel really bad about yourself. Right. You want people to be interested by you still right. and find some worth in you. Right. And yeah. they've like... Because I, I know for me, every now and then I'll just pop into my insecurities. I'm like, this is why people wouldn't like me. So what do they like about me? And I try to come up with like small good things, which I can't tell is if it's positive or negative just yet. But being interesting is one of them. Like, listen, you may not like me. You might not think I'm smart. But what if I am funny? What right. if I play this character and you like that character? Um, so on my that alter ego shadow side podcast or um, Twitter, your judgmental friend, I tweeted, let's be for real. Um Let's be honest, the real reason my husband and I are polyamorous is because it cuts out 98% of the possible drama and plot twists in our marriage. I was being cheeky, and that's not why we're polyamorous. But I uh, posted it and read it polyamory, and it actually I, it hit the front page of that subreddit. It did really well, um, and a lot of the comments... A lot of people were like, thank you, right? But there was, you know, there's trolls in every subreddit and also some people who didn't agree. And people were like, um, polyamory absolutely 100% increases the drama in my life. And I was like, that's because you're not doing it right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so people were like really annoyed and triggered and upset. And they're like, all it does is increase the possible players, which increases the drama. And I was like, okay. but And so they were calling bullshit on me. And I was like, yeah, but my polyamory style is that you have more than two adults who are holding each other accountable to take responsibility for themselves and their feelings. And so if one person does step into drama, you've now got three or more partners going, uh, you're doing that thing that you do. Right. And that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And so the accountability is actually increased and therefore there is less drama. Well, and a lot Versus of, two people who bubble off and there's just drama. And then a lot of people just assume that polyamory means more sex. Sex with more people. Mm-hmm. Which... If you have sex with more people, good for you. Yeah. You can do that when you're monogamous or not. I know. Right. It doesn't, know. The yeah. amount of players doesn't change. I know. What right. changes, especially if you're doing polyamory, as you just have presented and as how we've come to know it, is building stronger relationships with other people outside of your one main. And that's just this just that's just this case. Yeah. But when people don't get it or people just want to... I'm certain there's people who are on the polyamory thread who are like, I don't do polyamory, but here's what I think about it, and here's my right. opinions about it, right. which would absolutely not benefit anyone. But if you have the other person who's curious or insecure about their own polyamory, they're like, mm, what if now this is the issue? Right. Mm-hmm. And it just fucks everybody up instead of like, let's build and let's talk, let's communicate, let's listen to each other. Which brings me back to people don't want to. Yeah. They don't I don't want. think people want to, and I don't know why. And I could do the very, like, righteousy, preachy thing that's like, and people want to say stuck in their stuff. And, and maybe that's why. But it's... I just, well, it's because if they if they take responsibility for their own feelings, and this is just my opinion, um, if they take responsibility for their own feelings, then that means that they're responsible and they have to do something about it. And people don't want to have... They don't want to have to take action that might make them look like a villain. Right. Everyone's afraid to be the villain. That was my entire, like, last sermon I gave at Alchemist Theater is everyone is so fucking afraid to be the villain that they make sure they are the victim in every story. And what no mm-hmm. one's looking at is that we can just get rid of those roles completely. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the same thing. It's the do you have it or do you not? Are you right. the villain? Or are you the victim? Are you this or you that? We try to narrow it down so much because people, I think, are inherently afraid of being real. Right. Because mm-hmm. real means that it's 
definite. It is real. It is real world consequences. It is real people getting messed with. And we don't want to do that. Right. On this planet, I think that what most we can hope for is just to coast and be fine. Right. And have nothing bad happen to us. If nothing great happens to us, that's fine because we're fine. Right. But mm-hmm. as long as nothing's really bad and if you become real, the stakes get higher. You can have real close, beautiful, intimate relationships and like change your world. But also people have, not other people have the power, but people now can affect you in a real sense. That's where you get devastation. The stakes get That's higher. where you get heartbreak. <laughs> oh, that's so true. And so then everyone's playing at the limit of their own glass ceiling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're fine. Yeah. We're fine there. Yeah. I so. think that you should, Paige, I think you should front sell the amazing questions about polyamory that we didn't even get to because we're almost at the 45 minute mark i think that this should be its own episode because it was so good and i think so deep and so esoteric then front sell the polyamory questions for the next episode i think that that's a great idea and i know that you're amazing at editing so let's just do it okay sweet well then got a great idea oh my god for comic book oh my gosh i can't Um, tell you how often i sing songs from the utility player musicals and i'll text it to mckenna or mckenna will text it to me out of the blue and i'm like oh my god that makes me so happy sometimes it makes me sad how much genius art has been created by people everywhere that will never really ever see the light of day because you know whatever there's a million things being created but like the utility player musical um though amateur in some ways is genius in so many ways those are my favorite things is the things that i'm like Oh, I was a part of this moment. That's why yeah. it's so precious. Yeah. I love those things. Yeah. I was having a conversation yesterday about how someone tries to open up their audience to get as many people in. I'm like, that doesn't really hold on to me. I won't remember it. Yeah. But if something's very personal and something's very beautiful, as unseen or unheard as it is by everyone else, I'm like, I have this precious moment and I can't tell you how great it is. You should have had to be there. Should have had to be there. Should have <laughs> had to be there. Should have had. Should have had to be there. And it's great. And I love those things. So That's now I'm fun. glad that I get to have those. I love that. Well, thank you for our very special yeah. bonus episode. Yeah, this was so great. It was like, I don't want to say esoteric. Was it esoteric? No, it was more cathartic. I think we all had things that we needed to say, and this was like the perfect group to say them. But if you want to get into the nitty gritty details of my polyamorous life and you want to ask questions, you can email. Um, yeah. I couldn't help a podcast at gmail.com. At gummail.com. Mm-hmm. Gummail. A gummail. And I'm always down. I'm an open book. So, yeah. What's your table oh. of contents look like? What does that mean? To your open book. Oh. <laughs> God. I didn't know how to flip to like. Thank you. That's what it looks like. Right there. <laughs> it's Fucking a choose horrible. your own adventure. Mm-hmm. It is. It's a very much a choose your own adventure. And you are allowed to have more than one romantic love interest. Boom. 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 Oh. Don't tell people that. They're I thought, fine. I thought it was the mic. They don't even no. know my flaws. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Lose. No. Hey. Um, maybe we should end this with what we always end this Wait, with. Wait, hold on. I want to shout out to um, my, please follow me on Instagram, Reverend Levity. I always yeah, forget that's to no, do that. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, yeah. let's let's actually oh. close this up. <laughs> so yeah. where can they find you, Jess? Thank you, Paige. Um, <laughs> please follow me on Instagram, Instagram, Reverend.Levity for like my personal life. And then you can also follow the utility players. And your judgmental friend is like my shadow side um, account and where I also put a lot of my polyamorous stuff. And so that I'm not bombarding people on my personal account. I still do because I am who I is. You know, <laughs> She's an open book. She said it. Yeah. And then I also have you can um, just subscribe to Home Slice Productions, the podcast. And that is the umbrella channel from which I create 
um, your judgmental friend podcast and some other stuff. And then also, if you're into the spiritual hippy-dippy witchy shit, check out Alchemist Movement on Instagram and Alchemist Theater, the podcast. And uh, we have a lot of shit on YouTube. That's so good. And what about The Very Show? Oh, The Very Show. You can find The Very Show on Instagram, but also it's hard to find on YouTube because there's like some kind of Asian show called The Very Show. But if you put The Very Show as E-Ray, you'll find it. It's so You guys should team up. I, well, I the really want to ask them show. if I can have their Instagram handle because they've got it, the very show, with like no dashes or anything, but they're not doing anything with it. It's like blank. Oh How can long I has it been this? since they posted? I, somebody told me that if it's been certain. I think it's after seven years of them doing something sporadically or 10 years of legit just not having anything there, you can take it. No, so, or reverse it. 10 years of being super sporadic, like once every five, six months. Okay. Or seven years of them not using it. I think you're. I think you can send a request to Instagram. Like they're not using it. Can we please replace it? Sweet, nice. Joe, where can they find me? Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me at Paige Clarno on Twitter, um, at Paige in Reno Land on Instagram and TikTok. All two of the TikToks I've made. I know. I just. It's a thing. Um, and I actually posted on there. I was just like, I have a podcast. This is what this is what it's about. Um, are you going to listen? Put like a little like um, poll up top. 71% of people aren't listening. I'm like, that's great. Thank you. That's really supportive, TikTok. Y'all but are a bunch of jerks. That's people responding to something you said, which yeah. is still in itself a really good thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm filming from like up above. So like I look a lot better. <laughs> I'm getting it because I'm pretty. Uh, where can they find you, Joe? They can find me behind your local 7-Eleven giving away free Big Gulps. <laughs> um, if you're on Twitter, you can find me, Joe Daniel BB, Instagram, Petty Prince Jr. I love that name. Thank you so much. I think Naomi came up with it. Petty Prince Jr.? Yeah, which it's... I'm like, it's so on brand for her. Mm-hmm. It's so on brand for you, too. Thank you. It was going to be that or Petty Kruger. Yeah. But I was in a Nightmare fan, so I'm like, yeah. And you know. also have a new mm-hmm. podcast, your fave bad movie that I'm obsessed with. Thank you. And I cannot think of a good enough movie to like get on the, epi- to get on the show yet. Which is great, because Jess is like, uh, does this count as a bad movie? Does this <laughs> one? How like about this one? I'm like, Jess, some of these are actually really good. And she's like, fuck. Yeah, but this one. <laughs> I just don't know movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we wrapped? Um, where can they or find us? Yeah. Yes. So on Twitter and Instagram at I almost did it again. I need to get out of that. We and we've never done it. We've never actually done it, but we have, we have always gone in the habit of almost giving away our password as our handles. <laughs> we swear on Chanel on Twitter and Instagram. You can Facebook us. I couldn't help a podcast. Also, go like pages fit page. Oh uh, yeah, page Clarno podcaster etc. <laughs> on Facebook, and you can email us. I couldn't help a podcast at gmail.com. Oh my God, we all have so much shit. People yeah. listening are like, shut up. I already listened to your podcast. It's <laughs> not enough. That's right? why I was like, uh, limited down to like two and a half. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will see you next time for. You'll hear us. Yeah, you'll hear us. And if you send us some questions, we can hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. So, until next time, remember always, always wear, wear a condom. condom. Bye. It's not stopping. It's not, not stopping. stopping.